If you would, open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Happy Father's Day to all you fathers out there. I trust today will be a, a great day for you. If you would, this week, be sure to be praying for Dale and for Connie as they are on a vacation. I've told you before, and it's still true, Dale works awfully hard around here, so he's much need and ready for a vacation. So be praying uh, for him this week that he will uh, have a chance to get his strength renewed. But for now, let's uh, turn our attention to, uh, to God's Word, uh, Philippians 1, beginning in verse 12. Remember, this is the Word of God. Now, I want you to know, brothers, what, the, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the, the Word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this... I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we look to you this morning that through the power of your Spirit, we'll see glorious truths in this portion of your gospel. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I never really know what's going to come on one of the car radios when I get in there, for I have a wife and two children that like to listen to all sorts of different types of music. And I've confessed to you uh, before that I'm more of a, uh, a talk radio guy myself. However, sometimes when it's just me in the car, I'll, I'll listen for a few minutes to try to figure out what it is my family is listening to, and more importantly, why is it that they're listening to this particular music? Well, one song that uh, seemed to come on a, an awful lot last year uh, was an interesting song, and, and I think it was titled, Let's Talk About Me. Now, the lyrics of the song are, are very interesting. I went and looked them up, and, and, and this is the way the song ends. It's a fellow singing, and he says, I just want to scream enough about you, baby. Let's talk about me. Let's talk about me. Me, 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 me. Yeah, let's talk about me. Enough about you, baby. I'm sure he's an interesting guy and would be a wonderful addition to any family, but... uh, Actually, I, I heard later after the first service that it was Toby Keith, and that song is really old. But uh, nonetheless, uh, let's, let's talk about me. When I was trying to recall the phrase, uh, I, I couldn't remember if it was let's talk about me or it's all about me or what it was. So I did a, a Google search, and, and, and I was absolutely amazed at all the different songs that had that type of phrase in it. You know, breaking news out of our inter- entertainment world, it appears that these people have an ego. And, and, and uh, for, you know, there, there's just so many songs that are, that are similar to that. Songs which, quite f- frankly, 
are wrong, have the wrong focus in life. For life really is not about me, me, me. Now, today being Father's Day, it's, it's a perfect day for us to talk about the proper perspective of the rejoicing church. If we want to be good fathers or mothers or grandparents, then we want to instill in our children and our grandchildren the proper perspective of life. We want what's very best for them. And what's very best for them is for them to understand it's not about me, me, me. No, life is about Jesus. We, we, need, to know, we need to understand the joyous sovereignty of Jesus Christ and how that plays out in our lives each and every day. As we continue through our somewhat sporadic look through the book of Philippians, we want to keep two things in mind. The church at Philippi and the church here at St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church both need to have a vision for the gospel going forward via the Great Commission. Secondly, the church at Philippi and we here at St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church need to keep our, our thoughts centered on Jesus Christ. The reality is these two are inseparably linked, but sometimes it's hard to keep a good balance of them. We don't want to be so caught up in doing, doing missions and doing ministry that we actually forget about Jesus. We don't want to work so much at the task that we keep, us, we keep from focusing on Christ. People will tell me all the time that, that they wish that they were more excited about getting plugged in into missions or into evangelism or into whatever area of ministry that they're thinking about, but they're just, they're just not really excited about it. Well, see, the problem there isn't their excitement for being plugged into ministry. The problem is they're focused on the wrong thing. They're thinking about how it's going to affect them instead of focusing on Jesus. They're worried about how they might feel or how they might think. Instead, they should be focusing on Christ thinking only about me, me, me. Another way to look at it is if we're truly focusing on Jesus, then we will be passionate about his gospel. If we're truly focusing on Jesus, we'll be passionate about his gospel. Jesus and his glory and love are are the motivation of why we do the things we do around here at St. Andrews. Any other reason... It's, it's wrong. It's, it's out of bounds. I often tell the guys on Tuesday morning and our, during our Tuesday morning Bible study that if you don't know the answer, if you're lost in the discussion, just blurt out Jesus. He's always the right answer. And, and, and that's, that's the truth. You know, it's the same for us while we're trying to figure out uh, how we're using our gifts or how we're going to get involved. We need to think about it through the lens of the cross. So how do we develop the right mindset which naturally cries out Jesus and not me, me, me? Well, well, how do we do that as a church and how do we do that as individuals? How do we do that as fathers that want to install this important truth into our children? You know, we we want to keep from falling for, for the lies and the trap of Satan that cries out, it's about you, it's about you. That's not true. It's about Christ. Well, let's see what the Apostle Paul says here in our passage this morning, beginning again in verse 12. Now, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. 
a proper perspective of who we are and who Christ is will help us uh, lead to a place where there will be no complaining or whining about the circumstances that we find ourselves in. You know, Paul is writing this epistle from a prison, most likely in Rome, and he's been in jail for about four years now. If anybody had any reason to complain, it would be, Jesus, uh, it would be Paul. But he's not complaining. He's focusing on what Christ is doing, and he's rejoicing in that. Well, how, how can someone be rejoicing? I mean, he's in prison, and he's rejoicing. Well, he's keeping his eyes off of his circumstances, and he's looking at Jesus. Remember, we're talking about the, the importance of being centered, or thinking centered on Jesus, and thinking about the importance of having a passion for the gospel going forward. Well, that's exactly what Paul is doing here. As a result, instead of whining and crying about where he is and all the bad things that's happening to me, 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 Paul says things are good because the gospel, the gospel is being advanced. Well, how is Paul able to get to this point of focusing on Christ and focusing on the advancement of the gospel and taking his eyes off of himself? Well, he does that by prayer and using the Word of God on a daily basis. Because when he does that, he prepares himself, and we can prepare ourselves for difficult times like this. Now, now catch what I said there. We, we do that we pray and we read our Bibles to prepare us for the difficult times. Far too often we wait till we're in, uh, in the middle of a crisis then we cry out to God to deliver us from the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Instead of then taking time to see why God has us there. And how can he be glorified through the situation we find ourselves in. We need to be willing to, to use God's word as a light to show us where we need to improve. In the very next chapter of the book, Paul, Paul gives us a good example that we need to look at ourselves the way we really are. And that's not better than anyone else. You know, basically what he's telling us is we need to develop a low opinion of ourselves. You know, that, that seems very difficult, but actually it should be quite easy. We merely need to, to see ourselves as who we really are. And this will happen when we study the Word of God. Dr. Donald Barnhouse used to use an illustration when he was talking about this point that he'd say it's like a man walking through the street at night and, and a, on a rainy night and a car drives by and splashes mud on him. And as he's walking towards the light, he looks down at his slacks and he thinks, I probably can just wipe that mud up off my slacks. But as he gets closer to the light, the, the stain looks bigger and bigger. And right, right when he gets underneath the light, he can tell he has no choice but to go home and to change his clothes because the light has revealed extent of his dirty slacks. Well, the same is true for us. As we study and draw near to God by reading his word, we'll see what hopeless and helpless state we're in. And we'll turn to Christ for our cleansing. Here in our text this morning, we see the correct perspective that Paul's bringing. And it allows God's truth to go forward through the gospel being presented. It goes out in a wonderful way so that the entire palace guard knows that Paul is in chains 
because of Christ. And that serves as a great opportunity for gospel advancement. Verse 14 says, Because of my change, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the, the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. You know, a proper pr- perspective of who we are and who Christ is will allow us to remember what the goal of our life really should be. Glorifying God by sharing his gospel with others. There's no other way to heaven except through Jesus Christ. No matter how many good deeds do we do, no matter how much money we try to give to the poor, there's nothing we're going to do that's going to earn our salvation with God. No, only through repenting of our sins and confessing that Jesus Christ work on the cross paid for our sins will save us from the, the horror, which is the reality of hell. A couple of weeks ago marked the 20-year anniversary of the massacre in Tiananmen Square in China. And, and though that massacre was not strictly about killing Christians, it was about people looking for freedom from a communist government, uh, a lot of their sense for freedom had been churned up initially from the growing church. Now, 20 years later, that not-so-underground church is really f- flourishing with over 70 million Christians reported to be a part of it. Well, why? Why did the gospel go out like that? Well, like Paul is witnessing when he's writing about these hard times and that the door seems to be opened for him to share the gospel, the same is true in China. Because of Paul's imprisonment, the laity, not the preacher's gathering, the laity was encouraged to share about what was going on and wanted to share the gospel. There's an old saying that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And the church and individuals grow through difficult situations. Back in 1993, I worked at a hospital in Charlotte, North Carolina. And one of my friends there was the director uh, of the pediatric trauma unit there. Her name is Arlene. And Arlene and I were one day talking uh, as she was telling me that a young teenage girl from the church that I attended... Was, had been brought in to the pediatric intensive care after a car accident. She was in a coma. And she was not expected to live. And Arlene tried to uh, come to the family with comfort from a, a professional medical side of things. But as it turned out, Arlene was struck by this family's encouragement to her that no matter what God's will was for their daughter, they were going to rejoice in, in, in the joyous sovereignty of Jesus Christ. Arlene didn't know what to make of that. And, and, and she started asking lots of questions to, to the family and, and to me and, and to many of the visiting friends that came up to check on, on this young lady. And, and as a result, Arlene, her husband, and her children all converted to Christianity. You know, you know it's, it's usually at our darkest hours when the gospel has its opportunity to shine the brightest. So we need to look for for ways to share the good news of the gospel, even during our most difficult times. See, Jesus is over all things, so we can rejoice no matter what our circumstances are. In verse 15, we see a problem here that all of us can relate to. Paul is dealing 
with some troublesome people. Look at verse 15. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. See here that Paul's in prison, and obviously some people, they're glad about it. They're glad to know that he's in prison, and they're trying to actually stir up trouble for him while he's in prison. Well, why would that be? I mean, after all, these are, these are preachers of the gospel. That they're, they're beyond that, aren't they? If you think that, you don't know preachers very well. They, they too, have their own envy and pride issues that, that they deal with. These people are, are, are worried about the presence of Paul. Paul is the most prominent Christian in all the world. And he is uh, beginning to make them uncomfortable being around. So they start preaching and teaching in such a way that's hurtful to Paul. I mean, after all, they're there. They're established. They've been planning churches in Rome. They've got the missions program going in Rome. They've got the school-time Bible going there at the middle school in Rome. Everything's clicking along. They've got women's ministries are developed. Children's ministries are developed. And now, all of a sudden, there's a potential for change and a new personality-driven ministry. So what do they do? They go out and they try to discredit and to hurt Paul. They're, they're hurting his reputation and questioning uh, why, he, uh, why he does not do things, uh, why Paul doesn't do things just like the person did prior to him. They're going around singing, let's talk about me, me, me. But Paul says, it's all right. He's able to resist, and, and, and he's able to resist fighting back, and he's able to resist taking shots back at them and, and trying to defend himself, and even though things are not going his way. Here's the key for verses 15 to 17. The potential problem is neutralized through the proper perspective of who Christ is and who we are. Paul does not care that he's being attacked. He's happy in realizing that the gospel is being proclaimed, which leads us right into verse 18. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice, yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Our attitude will affect other people, be it good or bad. saw a cartoon uh, some time ago where... Uh, it showed uh, how one man's ill temper affects others. So there's a boss, and he comes in, and he kind of jumps all over one of his employees who goes home, and he has a, a nasty word with his wife who's hurt. And, and so she turns around, and she yells at her son who's frustrated. So he goes upstairs, and he kicks the dog. And the last panel of the cartoon is the dog outside, as the boss happens to be walking home from work, and he bites him in the ankle. <laughs> well, you know, that's, that's one example of how an ill temper can spread. But the witness of a life lived for Christ can spread in a similar way, and especially does th- during times of suffering and sorrow. Paul triumphed over his circumstances, and as a result, the gospel spread through Rome. 
you know, a proper perspective of who we are and who Christ is will allow us to rejoice when others may not be able to rejoice. You see, Paul's not going around singing, it's all about me, me, me. He's going around singing, it's all about you, Jesus. He's in a place where he can say, it does not matter what others say or others do about me, as long as the kingdom of God is being advanced, that's what I'm that's what I'm okay with. In fact, he's more than okay with it. It's an area of rejoicing we see in Paul's life. In fact, it's an ongoing theme in Paul's life. It's an ongoing theme throughout the book of Philippians. One reason Paul knew that he could rejoice is because he knew even the success of the gospel going forward was not dependent upon him. It was not dependent on if he was having a good day or if everybody was looking at him just the way he wanted him to. But, but the success of the gospel actually relies on the power of the gospel itself. In Romans 1, 16, we read, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The power is in the gospel itself. You remember when, when Jonah went to Nineveh to proclaim God's word and, and the opportunity of salvation there. He went very reluctantly. In fact, you can imagine reading Jonah that, that he went through half-heartedly saying, Repent, for God's going to judge you in 40 days. But what was, what was the result? The people of God did repent, and they turned to God. And, and, and Jonah was very upset. He did not think that, that God should spare those wicked people. He, th- he was singing, what about me, me, me? He didn't think these heathens should be spared from their sins. Instead of rejoicing about salvation, he decided to complain to God about how it was unfair for him to show such grace. Well, Paul here, he's in a totally different situation. His reaction is completely different. His was an expression of hope and excitement for the lost being saved. He chose to ignore the attacks and the snide comments and instead focused on the gospel and Jesus. You know, this is an important lesson all of us should try to learn because it doesn't matter if we're talking about here at church or at our workplace or at our homes We should be willing to put aside selfish tendencies that that we all fight. And and we should be willing to set aside that, that, that thing that pops up inside of us that wants to always justify who we are and and that we're right. We shouldn't have to justify ourselves to others. We'd have a happier workplaces, happier church, and happier home if we learned the valuable lesson that life It's not about me, me, me. I read this week that the difference between a a good marriage and a bad marriage is about three things left unsaid every day. Now, that's probably a good piece of wisdom because feelings, they'll go away. But, But hurtful words, they linger like the humidity in Columbia, South Carolina on a summer day. 
they hurt. And they stay hurting for a while. It, it takes a heart focused on Jesus to let things go. You know, when, when we've been wronged, we have to take, take the attention off ourselves and look to Christ. When we're wrong, we need to fight the temptation to retaliate. We need to move on and look around and see what Christ is doing to advance his glory and his kingdom. And focus on that and not on ourselves. If we're going to be a rejoicing church, like this sermon series is titled, then we need to get the focus off of ourselves and on to Jesus. The truth is, if we let others affect us then with, with their criticism, then what we're doing is we're putting ourselves ahead of Christ. Last week we commissioned the West Virginia team and I read to them from the book of Micah. We read, He has showed you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. A heart focused on Jesus is a humbled heart. This verse expresses the mindset we should have as we deal with one another, as we stated from the onset, we're to be people focusing on Jesus and passionate for the Great Commission. You see, the Great Commission, it's not about us. It's about Jesus. It's the wonderful story of Jesus redeeming his people from their sins by dying on the cross to pay for the penalty for their sins. You know, we should not wallow in our lows, but we should rejoice where God has us right now, no matter what. You know, how content are you when you contemplate what God is doing in your life? In verse 19, we see Paul is not restless or worried about his plight. It does not matter that he's in prison and that others are trying to make fun of him and ruin his reputation and trying to make him look bad. Paul says here in in relation to his rejoicing in verse 19, For I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. You know, there's there's a sustaining power that's found in Paul that's actually coming from outside of him. Paul is going to rejoice and he's going to do it by relying on the prayers of the people and the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, Nehemiah is a great leader in the Old Testament and, and he is known for, for being a man of prayer. And, and at one particularly difficult time, he says to the people, even though the times are tough then, he says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Now, Paul can rejoice because Christ is the one who supplies the joy. I hope you see in these verses that the reality of life is it's not about me, me, me. It's about the ongoing work of our joyous, sovereign Jesus Christ. Just four years earlier, Paul had written to this very church in Rome where now some of the leaders are there mocking him and giving him such a hard time. He wrote those words that that some of us loved, we've memorized, and we love to go over and over, beginning in Romans 8, 28. And we know 
that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? What should we say in response to being justified by Christ? We say, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, now how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is, it that, who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who is also raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? No one. No one will separate us from the love of Christ. Now, life would be a real mess if we did not know we had a sovereign, loving Savior who loves us and takes care of us each and every day. Paul was convinced by studying God's word that no matter what came his way, it was for his good. And because of that, he was able to rejoice. Does your life reflect this same joy? Let's pray together.